Hey, it's Scott Orn of Cruise Consulting, and welcome to another episode of Founders and Friends. And before we start the podcast, let's give a quick shout out to Rippling. Rippling is the new cool payroll tool that we see a lot of startups using. Rippling is great for your traditional HR and payroll. They integrate very nicely. But guess what? They did another thing. They integrate into your IT infrastructure. They make it really easy for when you hire someone to spin up all the web services and their computer, which sounds kind of like not a huge deal. But actually, we did the study at Cruise. We spend $420 on average just getting a new employee's computer up and running and their web service up and running. It's actually a really big deal. It saves a lot of money. And the dogs are eating the dog food. Like We see a lot of startups coming in to Cruise now using Rippling. So please check out Rippling. Great service. We love it. I think we have a podcast with Parker Conrad. You can hear it from his own words, but we're seeing them take market share. So shout out to Rippling. And now to another awesome podcast at Cruise Consulting's Founders and Friends. Thanks. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to Cruise Founders and Friends. It's Cruise Consulting. Founders and Friends with your host, Scotty Olm. Welcome to Founders and Friends Podcast with Scott Orn at Cruise Consulting. And today, my very special guest is Ben Parr of Octane AI. Welcome, Ben. Thanks for having me. Hello, Scott. It's great to have you. This is an awesome time to do the podcast because Octane is growing super fast. And we're very privileged to be able to see those financial numbers. But I think you'll probably share a little bit of the growth with the audience. But just to kind of start off, maybe you could tell everyone how you, you know, retrace your career a little bit and how you had the idea for Octane. Yeah. So I'll start with kind of like how we originally started. It's definitely different than where we are now. We've definitely evolved and become something I feel like much bigger than what we started. But we started the company, my co-founders, Matt Leaf and I in 2016. And like, I used to be the editor of Mashable and my co-founder, Matt, was the head of product at Ustream and was a YC alum. And our co-founder, Leaf, founded Omega and is a technical genius. And originally, and again, this is originally, it was, okay, brands connect with their customers utilizing email. They're super successful with it. It's a really important channel. 30, 40, 50% of the revenue comes from it. But email is not the number one use of time on a smartphone. It's messaging. So if they had the same kinds of tools they use for email for like Clavio and Bronto and Marketo, but they brought that over to messaging, it would make be better for the customer and make a lot of sense. For the business so we started building that with octane ai and we launched our first version which was like for facebook messenger was backed by general has been backed by general catalyst and they've invested in every round since but we had these all these like interesting lessons along the way which we have a, there's actually a forbes article where like you can really dive deep into like some of the times where we nearly died but we really realized it was e-commerce where our customers were doing really well and like drove real sales with our product. And so we made a big bet in 2018 on Shopify. I think before it was a super obvious that Shopify is the place to be. And we yep. really started building our business in Shopify and in e-commerce in general. And then at the end of last year in 2019, which seems like 10 years ago, it was like we started making like some interesting observations that kind of set up the company today, which, you know, today we are the personalization and buyer profile platform for e-commerce. And the thing we learned was that our customers used our products, especially our messenger product, not to do this, like here's a blast for a discount, but they used it to learn about their customers and recommend products in the form of like a quiz is the simple way or an onboarding experience, like a fit finder, a size finder. What are you looking for? What kind of bundle are you looking for? What kind of skin routine do you need? Because in retail, 
you have a concierge or a, an associate who learns about you and learns about your preferences and recommends products. It's a huge part of the retail experience, but it's never really been brought mm -hmm. over to e-commerce in any meaningful way. And so what we built was the shop quiz, which we launched in June, and it allows you to learn about the customers and recommend products. It is part of the website itself. It looks and feels like the website. We have hundreds of stores now using it to recommend bundles, recommend skincare routines, recipes, basically creating like the version of an onboarding experience. And now that they're doing this, they are uh, changing, like the conversion rates are going through the roof because for an e-commerce brand, typically they are having a conversion rate of under 2% on average, because when you drop people onto a site in e-commerce, it's like going through a warehouse. There's all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know what to like, do or look at and that's a great analogy the warehouse you're totally right i have to, i was shopping for pillow covers last night for my little office couch and i i like you're exactly right i was like walking through a warehouse there was no direction it was really hard for me to use search and figure out what i wanted to find and all that kind of stuff it's difficult yeah and it that's like where the conversion rate really drops in just imagine like if you could increase the conversion rate of a store of your store by one point by one percentage point, you would do nearly double the revenue of your business. So yep. the shop quiz fills in this like giant hole of, I don't know what to do, or I don't know what I'm looking for, which is most customers. And so what we actually find is what we found when we have case studies over and over again now, stores that are using like the shop quiz, their conversion rate isn't 1%, 2%, 3%. It's seven to 15%. It's oh God, giant crazy. multiples. We have customers where like 40% of the revenue comes from us. We have customers where they collect, we have one customer, Doe Lashes, where they collect three times as many emails and opt-ins through their quiz than they did with any of their pop-ups and their other opt-in stuff before us. We have a customer where they increase their overall AOV, their average order value by 28%, Beauty Bio. There's a whole case study around it because they were able to uh, recommend a better bundle set to their customers. It just makes and prints money for the store, but it's also one of those products that's actually better for the end customer because they yeah. they, they need help with what they're looking for and you're providing guidance and yep. you're really helping them. And that's like so huge, whether or not it's like you have a thousand products or you have like two or three products, you have mattress companies where that's like three models, but it's hard to decide on between three models a lot of times. And so the primary guidance are like, this is actually the right one based on like you want firm or soft, you have like this budget range, whatever it might be. Then there's a second half to it quick, which is I've now learned as a store, all this information about my customer, literally who they are, what they're looking for, their preferences, maybe even their age or skin type or allergies. Now with the entire Octane AI suite, you could personalize the rest of their customer journey and make it much more personal and targeted. So we power Facebook Messenger, we power SMS. So instead of doing a blast, you can send a much more targeted based on, okay, I know they're 18 in the oily skincare group. I should send a more precise message or series based on that data. And then you can connect it to something yeah. like your email platform uh, so that you can send the same kind of things over email. And so we're trying to build this more personalized, more human shopping experience for all these e-commerce brands and for their customers. And it's one of those rare, I think, products where it's a win for everyone. Much higher sales for the store, but also now they're future-proofing themselves, learning more about the customer so they can do more personalization, which is where yeah. it's all going. And it's better for the customer. That's what I really, I mean, it's obviously better for the, your customer, which is the e-commerce store to have much higher conversion rates and things like that. But 
I love how you're like building, you're helping them build a long-term asset, which is the customer information and likes and dislikes and what the customers are looking for at different times and things like that. Cause you're right. Like that personalization aspect is, I know that like, it just makes things so much easier and, and you're way more likely to buy that extra item. Or if you just see things that you like, you're going to stay on it. I know I watched my wife shop and like restoration hardware, some of the places that she really likes to shop. She's, she, it's like almost like she's, she's browsing the store once a week, like she would in the old school retail days, you know, just dropping into the local, you know, high end furniture store. So I don't know, you're just, you're giving them a lot of data. And every time that experience is good, even if they don't buy something, it's reinforcing that relationship and strengthening that relationship, which is really, really valuable. Again, it's bringing what, uh, an element that works really well in retail. You have to remember that a lot of the people are shopping for in e-commerce for the very first time ever this year because of the pandemic. Oh, I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah. They're used to this retail yeah. piece, this like concierge, this associate. And then they go on e-commerce site and they're just like, what am I supposed to do? And so yeah. this is kind of yeah. like fixing that problem of, uh, uh, for all these new people coming in, like actually giving them that guidance that they're looking for. And I think long-term there's like some crazy things we can do and we will do to build a more personal experience for the customer and to build better recommendations for customers and to just make it more human and more humanized. Yeah. I love the human aspect. I don't know if you know this about me, but my mom actually owned a high-end retail and home accessory store for 25 years in Danville. So like I, I can really connect with what you're, I mean, it was like Danville's like a upper middle-class suburb, you know, not like a super wealthy place, but not like, you know, not Target or Walmart kind of place. And so that personal, like her customers really got to know my mom and, re and really the whole staff. And that's really what powered like that, that strong relationship. So you're right. The personalization is so key because also there's probably some stuff you can do or are already doing where you're showing them what they bought last time and you're showing them what complements the stuff they've already bought or you're showing them things that are similar to that because you just understand their tastes. It, the first step always is just collecting the data. And you're behind if you're not collecting the data as a store. And if you're not learning about your customers, and they, you're told all this all the time, but a lot of stores are like, I don't know what to do. And yeah, you can collect like click data, but that doesn't actually tell you that much about the customers really, honestly. This is literally the one like straightforward, non-creepy way to learn directly what you need to know about the customer. Do they have allergies? Yeah. Who are they shopping for? You know, what's their budget? Um, and there's super creative things you can do too. Like we have one customer where like, instead of asking the age, they ask like, which of these was your favorite cartoon as a kid? And there'd be like Sailor Moon or like Teen Titans Go, which helps you learn exactly kind of like the age range and group without having to specifically ask it. And there's like super creative things people are doing. There's a store, Rooted, HeyRooted.com. That's really smart. I love that example. That's really yeah. good. And like HeyRooted, they have these beautiful gifts throughout their quiz. And they're asked about like their, their plants, their, their plants. And they're asked about like, you know, how much you travel, what kind of lighting you have. Because I have no clue what plants to buy. I just know I want plants. And so I go through the quiz and I know exactly what plants to buy. I'm, I am very certain, in addition to like increasing the revenue by a lot, like we have sent them a bunch of new customers just because we use it as one of our examples and people just bought plants as a result. And I know that's how I'm going to go buy a ton of plants. Cause I'm just like, I don't know what plant I want. You tell me. Yeah. Yeah. You tell me that is that. And that is the old school retail experience that we all used to get. And we haven't had it. It seems like it, like there's some other kind of non Shopify 
retailers that are, or e-commerce retailers are doing really well, like Stitch Fix and folks like that, like they use a, the shop quiz type of thing, right? So you're, aren't you kind of part of the, what Octane's doing is bringing some of the big functionality that some of the the giant e-commerce vendors are bringing and bringing it to the Shopify community. There's there's a couple of interesting interesting things there. So one, yeah, the UC Glossy and like Stitch Fix do it. And I've had the conversations with like people who've been at Stitch Fix. They had to custom build all the stuff, like millions of dollars yeah. to like really really build it properly. But even then, you know, even for a super large brand, you know, the ability to consistently update it to take action on the data, add integrations with everything that you use. That's like something that constantly needs to be done. And that's frankly just done better as a SaaS product versus like, I'm going to hire, spend millions of dollars on my own team for that. And like, I totally, this kind of technology of super personalization and recommendation and like learning about the customer is something that Amazon and Netflix and others, like it's their bread and butter. It's why they are multi billion dollar companies. But that technology should be available to literally everybody, like every other store. And we're making it so that that technology is available to every other store. And like, even in the early days, like the results are like, have been incredible. I've been honestly shocked by how well the shop quiz has done in terms of like driving real value for our customers. Is there an opportunity? And maybe this is, maybe uh, some of your customers don't want to do this. So correct me if I'm wrong, but is there an opportunity for like Octane to kind of see like, hey, um, I know this person shopped over at, you know, one store and they like certain things and that can actually influence some of the shop quiz questions or some of the type of demographic stuff you you ask across at another store that's also using Octane? Ah, yes. The buyer profile across things. Interesting idea. I, I will leave. I will leave it at that for the moment. <laughs> The wheels are turning. Over I, there. I, 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 um, yeah. The wheels about it before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. That's really cool. Let's talk about the Shopify bet for a second. Like, I mean, I remember talking to you when you were making those decisions, and you're right. Like, Shopify was not like I don't even know what the market cap is today. It's like a hundred billion dollars or something crazy. But it was probably like a two billion dollar market cap back then, or a three billion dollar market cap. Like. How did you zero in on Shopify and how did you make that the bet? So I, I had to give all credit to my co-founder, Matt, and our CEO. And it was, we had a product that worked with all, everyone. We worked with musicians. Like that's how we launched the company. And we worked with politicians. Yeah. We worked mm -hmm. with media companies. We worked with e-commerce brands. And it just became super clear that you couldn't build a roadmap for all of them. They all wanted very different things, very different integrations. It didn't work. And so we're just like, what are we going to do? And Matt really did the deep dive in the research and looked at like our customer base. And it's just like, we had a couple customers like Coverfax who were doing really well with our product. And like, what are they doing? They're doing quizzes or sending out messages and campaigns and looked at like what was happening in the space is like, this is where the opportunity is. And I feel like that is like, there's a couple key decisions we've made that have changed the trajectory of the company. Uh, I think two of the biggest, the two biggest for sure though, are that bet on Shopify and like betting the company of the Shopify ecosystem. And there's like a whole thing in Forbes where we like almost never had the chance to do it because of Cambridge Analytica and like nearly died, but we were able to survive and grow uh, the company. Yeah. And then the shop quiz, which I think may even be a, been the bigger bet, which, you know, since we implemented, like our revenue has multiplied and the revenue of our customers has multiplied. And it's really like, 
like we've had this vision for a long time, but it was really kind of like the first piece of the realization of our vision. Yeah, that's really exciting. Let's, and we'll talk about the shop quiz in a second. But one thing that I think people who are listening to the podcast can probably learn from you is that once you may, I give you a ton of credit, you like even I know your co-founders did this too, but I just you and I talk all the time. Literally every time I talked to you for probably 18 months, you were like at a Shopify conference of some sort or on a bus to a Shopify conference or at a cocktail hour from a Shopify speaking engagement or something. You were just like all in on Shopify. Like once you made that decision, you didn't dilly dally around and you like went full on business development, full on like coring that ecosystem. And I give you a lot of credit for that because you could have you could have like slow rolled it or not fully committed, but you probably wouldn't have ended up where you are today. I don't know how to slow roll something. That is not in my DNA. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, but it's also easy because it's so many amazing, smart people and interesting people. And it's interesting because a lot of the companies, uh, at least when we first joined, like didn't really have the Silicon Valley DNA that I think we have. Like Matt and I have lots of Silicon Valley DNA. And so there was like certain things yeah. that we saw that like, oh yeah, if we implement some of these kinds of things, we're going to really grow in this ecosystem. And now we're like yep. really growing in that ecosystem. And now there's more like Silicon Valley style companies coming in or getting new funding rounds and we got new funding rounds and like, it's definitely become a lot. There's a lot more interest from a lot more investors uh, in the ecosystem. And I think they didn't have the same thoughts a year or two ago. It's just very interesting to kind of watch and see. Um, it's also interesting, yeah. I'll just say now that, uh, my role is like, and same as like a founders of companies that are growing, the world's changing, right? Like when we started this year, we had maybe 12, 13 people. We're at 40 plus now. Wow. That's amazing. Good and for you. And thank you. And now all these things like switching over to like mostly coaching the team on doing things like. Uh, I don't expect to go when there's a, not a pandemic. I don't expect to go to all the events, do all the things. Um, Cause that's not necessarily my role at that point. Although, you know, I'll still come and this will be fun, but the role is, it's interesting how much it changes and how much more time I'm just spending, like thinking, we're literally just sitting and thinking and like reading and educating and managing. Uh, and it's very interesting how, like how different that is versus like the, like I just got to get boots on the ground and be in literally every place and location and just get into every room. Yeah, you're totally right. We actually have gone through the same thing. I can totally relate to what you're saying. Cause like my last, like every year for four years, my wife for, you know, she's been doing this for nine years was like doing, you know, and now this year, finally we got big enough and we have a really awesome management depth. So like, you're right. I can like record a podcast and not be stressed out that I should be doing something else or just think, or like you said, coaching like teaching our team how to do things or, Hey, I've seen that before. This is a real edge case. Here's how you got to solve that. It's, I actually find it super rewarding. I always love the client work, but I find like helping our team like accelerate their career and learn all this stuff and, and then work with people like you just makes me like even happier. It's like even more self-fulfilling. There's like a point, I think for every startup journey, like at a certain point where like, you've got to like, hire the right leaders and kind of almost step away from a bunch of things. And like uh, Matt and I like do a thing where it's just like, these are the only priorities we have. And if it doesn't fall within one of these three priorities, it, it gets delegated and that's it. And it's just like, no exceptions. And that really helps us with like focusing in on what are the things that we're actually doing. Uh, and that like yep. are actually the things that 
we can do to drive the business, right? Because, you know, beginning of the year, there was one person on the marketing team. Now there's like a VP and there's like five marketing people on the team and they're doing great work. And frankly, they're better at a whole bunch of things than us. It's like, let's just let them like, like we'll coach them, but like we don't, us doing things would probably be detrimental to them. They're smarter than us. On yeah, 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 yeah. I have that talk with, and you know, Healy, our marketing person, I had to have the talk of like, hey man, just because I'm asking a question doesn't mean I actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I really need you to like tell me if I'm totally off or if I'm just barking up the wrong tree, you know? That was actually super freeing for like our team to know that they could say like, hey, you know what? Like I'm the subject matter expert here. You're, you're barking up the wrong tree, you know? That's nice. Hey, it's Scott Orna, Cruise Consulting. And before we get back to the podcast, Quick shout out to ChartHop. ChartHop is one of my favorite new SaaS tools on the market. And basically what ChartHop does is it puts your org chart in the cloud. And I always like to say like it brings transparency to your organization. And so, you know, everyone in your organization can see who they report to. They can see the full org chart of the company and how their group relates to other groups. It also has a lot of information on the individuals in the company. And so you can click on the ChartHop profile and just get like, where people live, their experience, you know, Slack handles, all this kind of stuff. And it's just a really great tool. The other thing is ChartOp has started doing some cool stuff around compensation and budgeting planning. And so you can actually start seeing like what the cost structure of the company look like during certain kind of scenarios. So I'm loving ChartOp. Check it out, chartop.com. We use it at Cruise, really like it. And I can't recommend it enough. All right, back to the podcast. So you've had like this tremendous growth. I mean, maybe, I don't know what kind of metrics you want to share, if you want to share any kind of metrics, but it, it's it been pretty stupendous this year. Like you guys are a SaaS business. So there's also this cool thing where you can, you know, you guys have a really high retention. So you can see where the company's going over the next 12 months already. But um, do you want to give people kind of a, an idea for, for where you're going and how fast you've been growing? So uh, what I'll say is, you know, we raised our round uh, our most recent around four, like a post seed or whatever you want to call it, four and a quarter from uh, led by Bullpen, joined by FJ Labs, uh, which works with a lot of e-commerce um, and Boost VC, our first investor and General Catalyst, of course. And ever since then, like, you know, like that happened like in March at the height of the pandemic when everyone's panicking. And but ever since then, like we've been we've been on fire, especially once the quiz launched, obviously the e-commerce tailwinds help too, but it's not, it's, it's a multiply. And so I, I would say that I'll leave it at, you know, most companies who are at our stage are targeting a three X growth in the span of a year. We're well past that on that path, that trajectory. Yeah. It's been really fun. I forgot about the, the round closing, like what March, 30th or something like, like the, that, like right in the middle of the it, COVID. Like, like, I think we closed, like we initially, we got like deal done officially, like the day the NBA closed, like crazy stuff. And yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah. is it all good? And like to the credit, like of all the investors, like everyone was like, we're sticking through this. So like, we're going to do this. This is great. No, like changing of terms, anything like that. And I think everyone's very happy, yeah. especially now with that. I had to give credit to that. We've been very lucky, truthfully, I think with investors. You can get like investors who aren't very helpful or try to do too much or things like that. But, you know, 
Um, I'll specifically call like, you know, Paul Martino over at bullpen. I've known for eight years plus, And it's just like the right amount of like, I, I like, I don't need to like be in every day on all the things, but there's like, you asked me like, here's the couple key things. This is like, these are the couple key things where like, I'm running my paycheck and I'm going to go and help you. And those things have been like tremendously helpful uh, to us. And so we, I feel like we got lucky on like the right partners, like throughout time and uh, hopefully we can keep that streak going. Yeah. Bullpen did a really good job for you guys. And I mean, I still remember sitting like you and I texting in the lead up to that of like, cause it wasn't obvious when COVID was first hitting that like e-commerce was going to do so well. Like no one really knew. I mean, maybe you saw that. I just didn't see it. Like I didn't, I wasn't thinking that way. I was thinking more about like, holy shit, we have all these companies. We got to help get funded or we got to help them trim down their burn or, you know, extra money in the companies. And I remember there was a couple of days where like I was nervous on your behalf, but bullpen never flinched. Like they never flinched, you know, and I give them a ton of credit for that. And we saw like, I didn't really see any major VC firms flinching, but I saw angels and seed stuff getting sidetracked and getting put on hold for a couple of weeks and which then meant a couple of months, you know? So like there was, there was collateral damage in the market, but Shout out to bullpen. Like they did a really good job on that and they, and they were there for you. And you know what? It, it would have been really easy to find an excuse to walk away and they didn't. And now they're going to get rewarded in a really nice way for their conviction. We'll, we'll keep on working hard. I, I'll, I'll, I'll just crossed. say like, you know, it was not clear at all in March, like how e-commerce would be in good shape. And the reason for that is because in March it was all, it was still China based. And so like all the shipping from China was basically dead. And so basically e-commerce businesses were grounding, grinding to a halt because they couldn't get inventory. And it was already happening yeah. in February and in, in January. And the result of that was like, it felt like, like for all these e-commerce businesses, they were screwed. Like it was not clear at all that e-commerce would have like the boon and the boom at that time in that moment. But, you know, obviously they figure out inventory, obviously buying habits change and it's a permanent change. Once people learn how to do e-commerce yeah. for the first time, they're going to do it for the second, third, fifth time. I mean, you guys were ahead of it on Shopify. You're ahead of it on personalization and you were, all the trends are going your way, which is really, really exciting. Any, any lessons for the audience on that scale up from 15 to 40 people? Like it's, it's hard. That's a, that's a lot. Like it's a lot of growth. There's a, there's a lot of lessons, but uh, I mean, one is, I mean, I already said about like the right investor like really does who is really involved, like involved in the way like, you know, they have like a real stake, like party rounds are great, but there's no one person who's like, I'm, you know, I'm going to go to the floor to help like get this done or like you're in bad times. So help you get that. Mm -hmm. We've been able to share like, you know, yep. like uh, we've been lucky that we've been able to have investors who like in our darkest moment gave like double down and gave us more money when like we looked like we might be dead. And then. When it comes to like the scale, I think I already said, like said one of the biggest things, which is you've got to transition away from the idea that like you've got to go and do the things to you've got to coach people and hire people to do the things. And your job is just to give like guidance and maybe feedback and to like learn how to be a manager and become a better manager. And there's only a few things. I always say this all the time. There's only four things a founder really in the long term does or should be doing. It is make sure there's enough money in the bank. There's only a founder can fundraise. Yep. Make sure that you set the vision and you communicate it. That's a founder thing. Recruit, which is, I think, the most important one of all of all of those sort of you're running out of money. 
Like you recruit the best people, you spend the time like recruiting the top talent, the top executives. That's like that's your most important. That's what can 10x your business. And then evangelize. Because like podcasts or big conferences or the media, they want to talk to founders. And you need to be able to yep. go and evangelize. And those are it, you know? If you're doing those things and you get to that point and you're doing nothing else and you're doing it right. And you can spend the rest of the time learning and trying to figure out like the next phase of the business and what's the heck going to happen next instead of like like trying to tinker around with like some individual setting of some individual thing where somebody else was going to be better at it. Yeah, I totally agree. That is the list. And you did all of that. Like you fundraised during tough times. You evangelized with Shopify. You've recruited a ton of great people to the company and you've also you know, make, just made sure there was enough cash in the bank. It's been, it's been really fun watching you guys grow and uh, I'm excited for you, man. It's, it's, and let's just finish up with the shop quiz real fast. Like if I'm a Shopify e-commerce store out there and just debating whether I should, should try it or get going or how do I like get information? Is there a sales call? Do I look at the demos online? Do I look at some sample stores or stores that are actually using it really well? Like how should I get going? So one, if you're if you're a store in Shopify, it doesn't matter if you have one product or a hundred or which industry, it will print money. We have across the board, lots of people in industries where they're making money. And even for like a sing a brand that has a single product, you can change the copy and the sales pitch and learn about the customer and utilize that for your sales pitch. I mean, we've seen that. Octidii.com, you can either like self-serve sign up if you're like a, especially if you're a smaller store, you're a larger brand, you're a Fortune five hundred brand, you're a your Shopify Plus brand, you're making a couple million a year. Like, go request a demo, or sales team will show you like everything and give you all the options. We have a team that will go and help you be super, super successful. There's a lot like our account management team. We actually learned that the stores that work with our account management team tend to perform 25 x better mm. in a bunch of ways. Wow! But like, so little bit of investment of time and that personalization. Yeah aspect with you guys actually pays off yeah, too. But especially now with the shop quiz, you can go and build it yourself in a couple of days. We have done the help docs. We have a detailed playbook on it too. Octaniai.com slash playbook. And it'll go through step by step. We have customers who build beautiful quizzes in the span of like a day or two and they're printing money with it. That's incredible. Well, I'm really happy for you, Ben. And uh, I'm happy for your co-founders and, and shout out to the Octane team. We didn't even get a chance to talk about how you guys were remote from day one, which was also a huge competitive advantage and I'm sure helped power your growth, but that'll be for the next one. Can everyone, can you tell everyone just where to find you, how to reach out, how to reach out to, to Octane? Uh, at Ben Parr, B-E-N-P-A-R-R on every social network, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, I guess. My DMs are open on Twitter, so feel free. You should go follow my co-founder, Matt, at, at MattCatBat, M-A-T-T-C-A-T-B-A-T on TikTok. He has got 800,000 followers on TikTok. He just wanted to figure out if he could hack the algorithm. This is just his genius. Um, and then Octane AI is at Octane, O-C-T-A-N-E-A-I on every social network and OctaneAI.com. You know, feel free to reach out. Uh, we'll like make sure you go in your store. We'll make sure you go print money and help your customers and make for a better experience. I love it. Thank you, sir. It's been great being part of the ride and I'm very proud and, and happy for you. Thank you for having me. Bye, everyone. So when your troubles are mounting in tax or accounting, you go to cruise. Friends with your host, Scotty Old.